Amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and let's turn again to John chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 9, as Derek read a few moments ago. We're just going to take them kind of one verse at a time as we go. First of all, let me just share with you, uh, as he said earlier, you see a lot of changes up here on uh, our platform areas. We're getting ready for our passion play uh, this year. The music is so incredible. You're just going to love that so much. You're going to walk away from here singing some of those things. As a matter of fact, there's one particular song that Ed and I went over and over and over to get the timing just right on. It got stuck in my brain the other night and I couldn't get it out all night long. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff. And the, pa the, the, the uh, play itself this year I've written from the perspective of Jesus' family. We know about Mary and Joseph and about Jesus, but did you know he also had a family? He had uh, four brothers and had some sisters. We don't know exactly how many, but uh, at least two. And as we mine out what the scriptures have to say about them, we find out they didn't always get along. As a matter of fact, what would it be like growing up in a home where your elder brother is perfect? I asked that earlier and somebody said, I can tell you exactly what that was like. <laughs> but here Jesus was perfect in all of his ways. And uh, when his father died, everything went to him to be in charge of the family. But then when Jesus went on his ministry, all of that fell to the next in line. And that was a man named Jacob. We know him as James, but his uh, Hebrew name was Jacob. And he was not prepared as a matter of fact, he and, and uh, Jesus had some considerable falling outs over the period of, of their life together. And so this is about the dysfunction in the Holy Family. Can you imagine that? And I think you're going to find out that his family was about as dysfunctional as mine and yours. So you can feel right at home. We've got a great, it's a great message, a tremendous ending. You want to know that. Thank you for all of those who've worked so hard on the set so far. And we've got so much still uh, left to go. Also, very quickly, I uh, appreciate Derek so much sharing last uh, week the passage uh, that uh, was kind of the next one up about friends of God. Oh, how that just flowed out of our hearts together as we prepared that uh, together. So, so incredibly precious, and I thank him for doing that. I was in Dallas last week. I, it was my joy to be on uh, a director, uh, trustee of the uh, Guidestone Financial Resources. That's the part of our Southern Baptist Convention that handles all of our retirement and uh, insurance and all those kind of things. And I was on that board of directors. Uh, going to Dallas doesn't bother me so much being shut up on a plane listening for somebody to cough and ready to duck. That was, you know, a little different matter right here. Glad to be back with you, and I'm glad I'm not in quarantine. So, all that having been said, let's look at the Word this morning. Remember, these are the last things Jesus said and did with those that he loved, his disciples. So he gathered them together in the upper room that very last night before he was betrayed and arrested and then went on to the cross. <clears throat> and so, it, Jesus knew these were the last things he was going to say. He knew these were the last things, the last messages he was going to get out to people he dearly, dearly loved. And so he measured his words. He was very careful in all that he shared. We started in chapter 13 with that in 14. Now we're in, in chapter 15 as Jesus says, let me, let me show you an analogy of what all this looks like. And he gives us the illustration that he is the vine and that we are the branches that flow out of him. And so he's, he's telling us that out of as branches we bear fruit. 
And we've seen some of that fruit already, the fruit of answered prayer. We talked about the fruit of genuine friendship with him last week. But today we want to look at two other parts of fruit that naturally grow out of him abiding in us and us abiding in him. And that's the fruit of obedience and the fruit of joy. But let's start with chapter 15, verse 9. Will you read that over with me again? Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I have loved you. Now, let me pause right there for a moment. Because that word as is the Greek word kathos. And it means just as. Exactly the same as. With the same intensity as. With the same power as. With the same passion as. It's that big a word. And this word actually frames this whole uh, verses from 9 through 13. Because he says, just as I have loved you, just as I have kept his commandments, and just as I have loved you in verse 13 yet again. This word kathos is used 31 times in John's gospel. Always to share with us this truth. Hold on to it. It is so powerful. In the exact same way, with the exact same t intensity, that God the Father loves God the Son. Then God the Son loves Him right back with that intensity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, there is a love triangle that is beautiful. But then He goes on to say, look, with that same passion, with that same intensity, with that same intimacy... The Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, loves us in that same way. So when you think, when the Scripture talks about how God loved the Son, you need to think about, that's how He loves us. When you read about how Jesus loves His Father, you need to hear, that's how He loves us. That same incredible intensity and intimacy is Hours. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary, he says several times in the gospel is noted about how God loves the, the Son loves the Father, the Father loves the Son. But it's also in the gospel of John that you find that the same love extends to all of those who will believe on him. It's that love that generated those words that many of you learned by heart. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. And just, just to put a, a, a period on this. Turn over to the 17th chapter. Just turn over. Probably the same page. Maybe it's the next page. And find verse 26. Now when we get in chapter 17. We're going to find out this is a prayer. It's Jesus prayer to the father. About everything that's gone on. And as he gets to the end of that prayer, he starts praying for his disciples. He starts praying for those who are going to believe in him. And look what he says in verse 26. That the love with which you have loved me, may that love be in them. Will you sit there for just a minute? Let that intensity of that love just bathe you for a moment. I, I fell in love when I was 16 years old. It took me three years to convince her to love me back, but that's okay. Valeria and I were high school sweethearts. It has been my joy and privilege to love that woman. Coming up in July, 50 years we've been married. The, I can't describe the intensity of my emotion for my wife. 
I mean, I would, I would lay down my life in a heartbeat for her. and She would for me. That is a precious love. That's a holy love. That is a sacred love. And it's a love that I cherish. But now let me just, just hold on for that for a moment. And then let's just think for a moment that I said, Goody, I love you with the same intensity, the same fervor that I love my wife. Now you first look at me and say, I doubt that. But what would that be saying? What would that reveal about me? What would that reveal about you? You see, that's only a microcosm with the same passion that the Father loved the Son. That's the love He's given us. That's the love that's ours. We can't generate that. We can't reflect that. But I want you to just sit here and bathe in that for just a moment. You are loved by God the Father with the same intensity and power and passion with which He loves the Son. Whew, I just... It's amazing. I get to experience that. And not only do I get to experience that, look, look what Jesus says right here in verse 9. As the Father loved me, the exact same way as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in that love. There's that word again. Boy, it creeps up all the time, doesn't it, in John chapter 15. Abide in that love. Live in that love. Let that love surround you and be everything to you. Jesus is given the example of what that looks like in John 15 when he talks about the, the vine and, and the branches. Somebody challenged me a week or so ago. He said, I, they said, I'm really trying to get my brain around that. So I started looking for a better illustration than that one. Can't outdo the Lord. It's a good, best illustration. But let me tell you what also hit me. It's not even any better than that. But especially in light of knowing Hannah is holding little Noah this morning. There is no love as precious or sacred as a mother's love for her child. There is something otherworldly about that. Alright? That child, from the earliest days, lives in that mother's love, is protected in that mother's love. His or her whole world revolves around that mother's love. That child finds their identity in the mother's love. Finds their very reason for being. Finds their peace and their comfort in that mother's love. And as that child gets a little bigger, mother's going to have to discipline that child. Swat their legs or whatever the case may be. And you know what the child's going to do? The child's going to do what all kids do. Going to look at mother and that quivering lip's going to go up and down. And there. You don't love me anymore. Anybody else had that other than me and Valeria? <laughs> yeah. In that moment... That child is not feeling the love, okay? But listen to me. Is the love of that mother in any way diminished by having to discipline the child? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Probably it's bleeding for the child at that point. That child will probably do like my boys did after they get over their pout or after they get the feeling back in their behind. <laughs> They'll come running and jump in mom's lap. Mom, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it when I told you I didn't love you no more. And she'd wrap them up in her arms and hold her tight and give a big old kiss on the head. Because you see, the child's world, they live, they draw their essence and their very strength from that mother's love. Now, will you take that for a moment and let me talk to you about God's love. You see, in the same way, no, not the same way, in a much greater way, does God love you? And, and you draw your identity. You draw your strength. You draw your, your reason for living. You draw everything from that strength. You live in that assurance and that confidence that Paul talks about that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now then you go through a bad time in your life. Tragedy hits. Or maybe even God has to discipline you. And you find yourself maybe out in the backyard or in the driveway looking up at heaven and say, God, I don't love you no more. You don't love me no more because look at all this stuff's happening to me. Let me ask you, does the love of God, is it in any way diminished by your rant and raving? No. No. The very fact that he doesn't strike you dead should tell you something. Okay? Because his love goes beyond that. And after you've got over your hurt and got over your pout, you'll go back to him and say, Oh God, I didn't mean that. I, I, I don't want to be outside of your love. I don't want to be outside of your protection. I don't want to be outside of, of you because you're the one that holds my life together and maintains my sanity. That's what it means to abide in his love. To live in His love. To draw your strength and your comfort and everything you need from His love. That's what it means to abide. To hold on and to be in Him as He is in you. Then, let's, let's see what he says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as, there it is again, just as, I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Okay? Let me tell you something. The natural or supernatural outgrowth of you abiding in God's love is going to be the fruit of your obedience. The fruit of your obedience. If ever there were two words that need some very critical thinking in the Christian community today, it's love and obedience. And to see how these two things are intricately interwoven and how they go together so powerfully but intimately. They go together. It's the supernatural outgrowth of abiding in his love. Obedience is the natural outgrowth of abiding in God's love. Look, I've said this before. Let me repeat myself. 
not original but with me but this is absolutely true you can take it to the bank if you're having a problem in obeying whatever it is forgiving somebody that's hurt you giving your tithes whatever it is if you're having a problem with obeying God in any matter in any of his commands listen to me very carefully you don't have a problem with obedience you have a problem with love Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. You do what I told you to do. It's a natural outgrowth of that love. As a matter of fact, later in John, 1 John 5 and verse 3, John makes it a little more pointed even than that. He says, for this is the love of God. Here it is. Shine the spotlight on it. I want you to understand it. This is the love of God. Here it is. You ready? This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And then he goes on to say, wait, wait, wait. He goes on to say, and His commandments are not burdensome. Are not irksome, is another translation of that word. Are, are not oppressive or grievous. If, if you find the commandments of God irksome, burdensome to you. Listen to me very carefully, my friends. You're not walking in love. You're walking in keeping rules. Your job is just keeping rules that somehow that the church or that the Bible has set down. And they're burdensome to you. And you'd really rather not to be carrying those. And you're going to finally get sick and tired of trying to meet all those rules and regulations. You're going to say, well, just give up on it. Because you're trying to do it in your own power and not letting it grow out of the love that's in you. When you live in that love of God, when this is where you find your comfort and your peace and your being and your strength and your, your reason for actually getting up in the morning, then those, keeping those commandments may be hard, but they're not burdensome. There's a big, big difference, folks. Let me, let, can, can I put a, a magnifying glass on the difference? God loved the Son this way. The Son loved the Father this way. And both of them knew that before the foundation of the world, the redemption of mankind was planned. And so the time came that Jesus knew He had to go to the cross so what was his attitude? Did he say, well, if i got to do it, I guess I'll do it. No. No. Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, please let it pass. Nevertheless, out of that love, not my will, but yours be done. See, it was love that motivated the cross. It was love that enabled and empowered Jesus to go to the cross. To take my sins upon himself. To take your sins upon him. To die and take total eternal hell for us. In order that he could rise from the dead. And give us his eternal life. Look. If you're trying to keep all the rules, if that's what faith is to you, if that's what religion is for you, 
Let me tell you what I call that is grade A USDA prime flesh. That's all it is. All it'll ever be is you trying to do things out of your own flesh. Somehow to please God. That's not what he calls for. He says, live, abide in this love relationship we, we have. And then you'll find that pleasing me and obeying me is just as natural as getting up and walking. It won't be burdensome. It, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. And God has called upon me to forgive people that have knifed me in the back. <laughs> that hasn't been easy. But it's grown out of the love that I live in. And draw my strength in. And when that happens, look, let's go a little further. These things I have spoken to you, verse 11 says, that my joy may remain. That's that word abide again. That my joy may abide in you or remain in you. And that your joy may be full. Let me tell you something, folks. When we're living in his love, the supernatural result of that is we're obeying him. Then there is joy unspeakable. Now, I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is connected to my circumstances, okay? If I'm feeling good, we're having a good day, and everything's going fine, nobody's chewed me out yet, okay? It's a good day. I'm, I'm happy, okay? But then something happens, and the car breaks down, or whatever like that, get bit by the dog, whatever, you know, then, then I'm not happy anymore. Happiness is connected with your circumstances. But joy... Is anchored into the love of God. Joy is anchored in abiding in Christ. And it can't be shaken. Okay? That's why Paul could say, you know, you can count it all joy. In these various trials that you're having. Because I will not give up on you. Now let's look. Next verse. Running out of time here. This is my commandment. Now, this first one wasn't his commandment. Verse 10 is not a command. That's just an illustration. Here's the commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another as, just as, in the exact same manner and intensity with which I've loved you. Whew. This is not something we've got to do. This is something we get to do. This is the fruit of Christian family. This is the fruit of brotherhood. This is the fruit of fellowship. This is bearing one another's burdens. This is praying for one another. This is helping one another. This is showing hospitality for one another. All those great one another's in the Bible, that's what it is. And it's what we get to do. It's what we get to do, not what we got to do, what we get to do. And so, when the Bible says us that we, we forgive one another, okay? This is, this is imperative. You, you, can, you can find out how mature a person is in Christ when they've got crosswise with another believer and they have to deal with it, okay? Now, we have three boys in my home. Do I have to explain anything else to you? All right, three boys. So, invariably, there was one of those times they're going to get crosswise with one another. And then, you know, daddy, mom, usually daddy has to deal with this. Pull them in here together, and after you've worn out whatever fanny you need to or whatever, then, then you put them together. So, okay, now, it's time to apologize. I'm sorry. 
Anybody else got that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what happens in the body of Christ when two immature believers, young in the faith and having to understand about abiding in Christ, when they get crosswise with one another, but when they're living in Christ and they realize they've hurt one another. Oh, not only does God's heart bleed, but their heart bleeds too. And you can't abide with that. I've got to make it right with my brother. I've got to be right with my sister. Not because the love of God demands it, and I've got to. But by the blood of Christ and the love of God, I can and I get to. You see the difference? It's as different as night and day. And then Jesus says, this is not just a working theory for me, okay? I, I'm not giving you a theory I want you to work by. Look at, look at verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He wasn't talking about theory. He's talking about practice. You want to see that? You want to see that? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Here's what my love for you looks like. It's sacrificial love. And that's the love we get to have for one another. It's not as perfect as his love. No, no, no. But it's the same love. Loving out of the depths and agony of our heart. We get to do that as part of the body of Christ. We get to have that relationship with one another. Yes, we have to expose ourselves. Yes, we have to take a risk that we might not be loved to the same intensity or somebody may, may hurt us. Of course you do. Love's always a risk. But it's a risk worth taking. And one I would not want to be without. So, here's what he's saying. All right, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And as a branches, and you're abiding in me, you're drawing your life's essence out of me, then as that life essence flows through you as a branch, it supernaturally is going to cause fruit to grow. Fruit like answered prayer. We talked about that. Fruit like genuine friendship with God. Derek talked about that last week. Fruit like obedience. And fruit like joy. And fruit like real fellowship in the body of Christ. Now, I know as I'm talking today, some of you really don't understand a lot of what I'm saying. I mean, you understand the words. You're an intelligent human being. But you've never come to that place in your own life that you've surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. You've never really experienced that incredible love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father. It hadn't invaded your heart yet. And so in these next few moments, I want to tell you how that can happen. Because none of this other will really make sense to you until that happens. First, the love of God has got to invade your heart. First, you've got to know what it is and what he did for us. You've got to understand. God became a human being. He became a human being whose name was Jesus Christ. He lived an absolutely perfect life with very human brothers and sisters that I'll tell you about in a few weeks. <laughs> a perfect life to where 
He could take, because he was guiltless, he could take my guilt upon himself. He'd done nothing for to be ashamed of, but he could take my shame upon himself. He'd done nothing wrong and heinous, but he could take my wrongs upon himself. And when he died on the cross, he did so to take our sins, the punishment of our sins upon himself. Why did he do that? Because he loves you that much. Well, I've never even given him the light of day. That's the gospel. That's the good news I'm telling you right now. He died to take our sins upon himself. But three days later, he rose from the dead with new life. A life that he could give away. It's called eternal life. Zoe Iones is the word. This, this life I'm offering you. A life that cleanses you and forgives you and makes you my very own. Has that happened in your life? Have you had that experience? If not, I'm going to ask you to pray with me in just a few moments. Asking Jesus to come into your heart. To cleanse you and be the boss in your life. That you can know what it is to be genuinely saved. And then our praise team is going to lead us in a song. And it's an invitation song. And the invitation is for you to come and take Goody or Derek by the hand. And just say, I prayed with the preacher. And, and they'll understand. Because they want to love on you and encourage you. You know, when you pray to receive that prayer. The Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven. And we want to share some of that joy right down here on earth. So I'm going to invite you in a moment after I lead you in this prayer to come. Maybe you want to join our church family. You're already saved. You just want to join our church family. I'm going to ask you to come on down too. Or maybe you want to come to the altar and just pray and say, God, renew the fire of my love for you. But right now, let me talk to you that have never prayed to receive Christ. I want you to bow your heads. Bow your heads with me. Everybody, everybody's going to pray together. But those of you who want to experience the floodgate of God's love in your heart. You want to experience his love in a very real and personal way right now. You want to ask Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior. I want to ask you to pray with me right now. You don't have to pray out loud. But in your spirit, shout it to the heavens. Dear God, I confess to you. I've been doing life my own way. But right now, I'm hurting and hungry. I want this love that the pastor is talking about. I want this forgiveness and freedom that the pastor is talking about. I dare to believe that when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. And I dare to believe when you rose again, it was so I could have eternal life. Come into my heart, please, God. Come and forgive me and cleanse me. I, I want to be a whole new person. I want you to be the boss, the king, the ruler of my life. I just surrender myself to you right now. I give you all of me I know how to give. And receive everything of you that you want to offer. Father, I know by the authority of your word that for every person here today that's made that prayer their own, the angels are rejoicing. And you have a brand new child in your family. And we want to rejoice along with you. 
So Lord, encourage them in these next few moments to come and take Goody or Derek by the hand and just say, I prayed with the preacher. Lord, encourage others to come that want to just pray or others who want to unite with our fellowship. Lord, this is your time for you to be honored. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.